This is Rumble Strip America Heilman. Personally and spiritually, I have, having been a plastophobe, I've hated plastic ever since I understood how it reduced human craft. It cheapened it all, you know, and it's poisonous. And it, but sometime a number of years ago, I had this sort of moment of kinship with the plastic. I realized there, but for fortune, it's a carbon form. Once it was a tree fern. And then some Diplodopolis came along and ate the tree fern. And Diplodopolis is a long dinosaur, takes a few days, out you come in an enhanced environment. You're now in a poop. So you go through this thing, and the Diplodopolis poops you out. This stupid Diplodopolis steps into some kind of tar pit. 500 million years later, out into the Saudi sunshine, whisper free at last, denied the face of the sun for 500 million years. Now... Oops, turn into PVC pipe, buried eight feet deep, moving human feces up to a mound for another indeterminate period, once again denied the face of the sun. In Buddhist terms, you got to ask yourself about the karma of a piece of PVC. That's Carl Hammer, the founder and president of the Vermont Compost Company in East Montpelier. I heard about Carl from a friend of mine who told me about how he had puppies one winter and he decided to compost their poop on the floor in the house, which he sweetened with donkey manure and hardwood bark and hay. Carl started as a vegetable and dairy farmer on a hill farm in Versher, Vermont, and the success of the farm depended entirely on the quality of the soil, and he started experimenting with adding this poop to that poop, adding food scraps and bark and other materials, and it was all going well. The vegetables sold, he was sharecropping hay, selling heifers, He had a business card that said, have fun, make money, save the world. How do you make more land better land to make more food for more people? I think this was the question that made him finally get out of farming and get into compost production long before composting was a virtue. He became a self-described multi-manurialist. I tried to interview him a few years ago and I failed. He has a mind that connects politics and history and religion and feces, and he talks about them all at once, and he's impossible to corral into any one subject at a time. Then my friend Rosanna told me that he'd started running a donkey cart into town to pick up food scraps at restaurants and the local co-op. Carl has always had donkeys. He loves donkeys, especially the American mammoth jackstock, which is endangered. And so Carl figures the only way to protect them is to think of them as bioforce, make them personnel, prove that they can pay their way particularly for small farms. So twice a week, Josh, the teamster, takes the donkeys into town for buckets of food scraps. And these food scraps from town feed Carl's chickens, and the chicken poop improves his compost, and then the eggs from the chickens go back down the hill to the store in town. So anyway, I figured I could keep him on the subject of donkeys, but I couldn't. But it didn't matter. Carl knows a lot of things that I wish I knew. We sat in a big shed on his farm near mountains of compost in various stages of decay or development. Here's Carl Hammer. I I came from a basement apartment on 80th Street and West End Avenue next to the boiler. And when I was nine years old, landed in Chelsea, Vermont. The first daylight of Vermont I saw was Chelsea. And my parents had bought a piece of land in Vershire that we couldn't actually find. So we checked into the Chelsea Hotel. And in the morning, because our overladen 52 Nash station wagon had a leaky gas tank, we put it into Lafley's garage to get the gas tank repaired. And 
while Omer Olsen was draining the gasoline, someone in the office turned on the water, which caused the pump in the pit to spark and burn down Lafley's garage. With our all our camping gear, Omer was rescued, which was good because Omer was technically in jail up the hill, but Mrs. Bagley got the 75 cents a day for feeding Omer lunch, and she got to keep that, and she'd send Omer down to Lafley's. Lafley would give Omer lunch and buy him cigarettes, and Omer would work at the garage, which he preferred to sitting in jail. He was in jail for public drunkenness, periodically. So, luckily, they were able to fish Omer out of the pit, but they weren't able to get the car out of the garage. So, there we were. We'd arrived in Chelsea in all our tents and everything. We didn't have a house. We had a piece of land in Berkshire that we hadn't even found. So, we kind of made an arrival. And Peanut Kennedy, he had a Chrysler dealership in Chelsea. And uh, he was an award-winning Chrysler dealer. I mean, the Kennedy brothers found a car for everybody. And they were in town there, and they fixed cars. And they, his brother Jack was the mayor of Chelsea, and Peanut was the rep, state rep. And um, So anyway, the day that you're... So well, so we burned their Lafley's garage down. Now we don't have a car. We don't have a tent. We have nothing. Peanut started lending us cars. While he shopped for the car my dad wanted, which he found at an auction in Connecticut. And, and if you drove around Versailles, Chelsea in those days, 1960, there were signs of the end. Of This is the end gay stage of Euro-peasant culture in, in New England. People were standing out in their fields holding tools amongst their animals. Drove around Vermont. Most people were farming. Most people, somehow, they had... A few cattle. I, I just these people, man. They were out in the woods. Everything was amusing. They'd drill holes in trees, and then they'd catch that in buckets. And the horses would drag the sleds, and then you'd dump it, you know. And every and you broke a sled runner, and you got Grandpa Homer's pattern out, and you had a log somewhere that you'd been waiting just for this, and you laid the pattern on the log, and you cut a new runner out, and you fired up the forge, and you took the shoe off the the iron shoe off the broken runner and you banged on that and the hot and stuck it on there and burned a mark and carved again and burned it and finally put it on and wow i thought man these people this is you know this is who i want to be and the odor that then the the manure thing the different manures and the blending of the horse manure and the cow manure and the pigs down in the cellar there and you throw the horse and the cow and the pigs push through it all and they get some hay and then you get sent up in the woods with the other kids to go get stuff out of hollow logs and put it in a wheelbarrow and bring it down and throw it down in there with all that manure and then then that is treated as if it's very valuable you should put that in the spreader and i found out if you wanted to shovel manure they let you do that all morning They'd give you lunch. They'd let you drive the team. So I was interested in farming. I knew I wanted to be a farmer early on in this, probably by the time I was nine years old. My first ambition in life was to be a ballet dancer, and then I replaced that with with wanting to be a farmer. You sort of became who you were going to somehow be but by chance you were always going to be you were always going to end up here somehow but the manure something clicked for you yeah manure I, i became very enthralled with manure first of all you know shit doesn't stink when it first comes out it takes a moment because it's very the environment that it's leaving is very low ph and then it comes out and 
and a lot of the proteins volatilizes ammonia, but that takes a moment. So there's this thing that happens when a cow or a horse or anybody defecates as all the biology changes on the surface of that manure. I mean, and this is all the folks that are suddenly active were there in waiting for the, this flush of air. Who was the one, who was the person who most, who introduced you to compost for the first time? Oh, the, the word you mean? No, because the, the word concept. Came, the, that I mean, word like didn't the, come along I mean the, until... The, I mean the, 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 the religion of or the theory the, the of... The reverence for manure? Yeah. That would have been Stanley. Stanley, so Stanley Kendall was one of three brothers. There was Stanley, there was his brother Guile, and his brother Watson. And his, they, they reverenced their manure. They expanded it with products from the woods. And manure was a thing to be carefully tended and utilized. The limit of how much I could produce on my shallow to bedrock hill farm was how much manure I could bring to bear. That's been true in intensive agriculture always. You know, the ownership of the a turd that fell on the road was the Duke's. In 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 China, to build competingly attractive shitters on either side of a highway so to get get people to poop in your outhouse, cleaner, fancier, better flowers. You know, better, better internet, whatever it is, whatever it takes to get a hold of that stuff. Because not only is it, it, and, and this was the, the fallacy of the university work was that they were just listing its micro, macronutrients, but there's all this biology in the manure that is, turns out to be really, really the big gift. And this is all coming back to donkeys. Okay. I mean, well, will ultimately. Hello, everybody. This is Omar. That's his mother, Mary. This is Ruby. She's our. There's another. That's Rose. This is Ree. This is Maybelline you met. And this is Ruby, who's the mother of. She's the one with no white markings. Do you love them? Uh, yeah, I guess I do. I do. I have. I have. I probably have some favorites, but I don't talk about that much. You know, but uh, and I have a little infatuation sometimes. This one is very well. She's just gorgeous, and, and you're pushing on me, and I'm gonna get irritated if you keep doing it. There's a little bit of that teenage thing. Stop that. That's rude. Stop that. Rude person. In 1972, I got my first personal jackass. And that was on the West Hill in Chelsea, Vermont. And I traded a pregnant seining goat for him. Why'd you want him? He was fenced into a very inadequate pasture, muddy. Donkeys don't like wet feet. They're desert animals. And uh, he was in a group with, as it turned out, his mother, a daughter by his mother, uh, just a, a really piss-poor management setup. And all their feet were terribly, terribly overgrown. And they were always breaking out of it where they were. And I saw him running down the West Hill Road one day, and his feet had grown up to look like Aladdin's slippers. And he was this really well-made guy, compensating completely for this deformity, running up on the, some 
part of the hoof that he was landing on trying to run, doing a jailbreak with his family okay the guy who owned owned him i mean they were constantly breaking the fences down and they had no particular use for them and they were there you couldn't like say well you're mistreating these animals because they were folks who were mistreating themselves pretty seriously in so many ways and what was it like when you started working with him oh he was a bit of a handful um for sure uh the first thing i had to do was get his feet into and i had read an article in western horsemen about rescuing donkeys from that condition which had to do with tie him up and lay him down and cut it off with a carpenter saw which was not something he really approved of uh, when it happened and you pull their feet up until they you lay them down and it it, it people use that on wild horses a lot because horses you do that to them they get a lot of respect Donkey's not the same in the, that way at all. They're much brighter. So the donkey is just putting this in a catalog for waiting for his opportunity to get justice. <laughs> okay, Mary. Step up. And woo. This is Josh Jones, the teamster for the donkey team. I rode with him on the donkey cart into town. And I got to tell you, it was amazing to ride a donkey cart into town. Step up. Huh. So why is this happening now? Why now? In terms of with Vermont Compost, I think we're finally at a point where we have the personnel, personnel meaning donkeys, to um, make the trip into town. Huri is four, so he kind of um, really brought it into reality as he became older. And, you know, with the residential composting, food scraps um, legislation that took effect in July. Can you explain what that is? In general, it was, you know, a piece of legislation requiring residents to compost in some way, whether it be having an organization or a company pick it up and compost it for them, their food scraps, that is, or they had to, you know, compost it themselves at home. And whoa. It's a pretty sweet life. It is. It's not a bad way to spend an afternoon. Yeah, or even a life, that's correct. John Henry was a little baby Sitting on his papa's knee He picked up a hammer and a little piece of steel Said, hammer's gonna be the death of me, Lord, Lord Hammer's gonna be the death of me. You are doing this because it's it seems logical to you and essential to you to leave the world a better place and to create systems that you people can use beyond you. But you also want to make money. But why why does why is money why is money so important well, I'm in this? I'm not sure that I wanted ever really wanted to make money except for all the things that you can't do if you don't have any. I mean, the aspiration was to find a, 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 a monetized place for these endangered animals because we think they're valuable. And so what's the entry point where, where they can pay their way? How can we work them? And it turns out that with what the co-op pays to have its food scraps removed, this rig traveling the street with Josh driving it is making about $60 an hour. And Josh, in particular, was able to make the 
to not insist that these animals behave like horses. Of course, you hear this, don donkeys are stupid, donkeys are stubborn. Donkeys are very into self-preservation. You ask a donkey to do something that she thinks is dangerous, she doesn't want to. Horses' evolution is when anything gets dicey, let's run. Let's run. We're fast. We'll just run. We have huge lung capacity. Donkeys are mountain desert animals. They circle around, take evasive action, double back. So all of this translates into a different work style. Excellent donkeys are really collaborators in the work. Uh, and they are, historically, the best choice for poorer farms all over the world. You know, for the last 7,000 years, people have been putting 50 kilos, 100 kilos, rather, on a donkey and going through the Khyber Pass. That's still, I mean, Afghanistan, donkeys still haul. All over the world, donkeys are still hauling important freight. Water, wood for people, uh, the Sudan. So all over the world, the donkeys are the helpmate that makes uh, challenging subsistence livelihoods possible. You are a donkey person, and I don't know why I say that, but it's, what, 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 is it, what do I mean by that? Well, I, I, I like to look at them, I like to smell them, I like to talk to them, I like to touch them, and, um, and I like to see them work. I had a neighbor say he didn't want to hear that. But for me, it's one of those, I get irrational surge of, a surge of irrational joy. I get a surge of irrational joy when I hear a donkey call. The captain, he said to John Henry, said, gonna bring that steam drill around. Gonna bring that steam drill out on the job. Gonna whoop that steel on down, down, down. Whoop that steel on down. What, how can life power compete effectively? In what venues and when and how can life power compete for money with industrial tools that have no soul? Donkeys are alive. They're, they're, they will work with us for, to, to enhance both of our lives. And... Um, but the, it's really more about the texture and smell and of, of, of how do you want to spend your time in your life. Um, and there will be a... Animal power will get a run from the money from excellent electric at a moment. Well, and your Tesla can talk to you. So it, you know, it used to be able to say, well, your Tesla can't love you. Well, it can pretend. And your Tesla can say it loves you. You can set it up to do that. Hello, I love you. Uh, if you need to. Uh donkey will really could really love you tesla does not yet produce valuable manure donkey does hard to buy and feed a tesla off a farm donkeys can be raised and fed by donkeys and people you know that autonomy of control that domestic the capability to support ourselves at home that's part of what's very appealing about draft animals so how did food scraps make its way into your compost um, operation? So we've, we collect food scraps in our community 
and the at the first day we bring them home and feed them to our flock of laying hens who do not get any other feed really they get to forage on the compost process so the food gets blended with manure and other materials and that among that and that's where the chickens get all of their food we've produced eggs for sale on this farm for the last 22 years without buying feed for the chickens we bring them food scraps from the community they have access to horse manure and cow manure we uh, hardwood bark and these birds are free to leave literally there's nothing keeping them here except their cultural habit and that they I mean so we used to say you know they're free to leave or we'd say well free to leave might be a euphemism for homeless welcome to stay where she wants to be is a high chicken aspiration welcome to stay where she wants to be well, that's not only chickens. Now, here's a sad thought. These chickens are more enabled to express their full chickenhood, hang with their friends, know how they're earning a living, great view, good air. They're doing better than lots of people on this sad planet. These chickens are having a better time than lots of people because everything that they aspire is here, as far as we can tell. Right now, the, this chapter of this farm's biography is industrial mitigation, a mitigation of industrial culture. As we mature ourselves into the world we hope to leave to our grandchildren, we will waste less. So look at it this way. If every seventh house raised chickens, 15% of the labor force, doing direct solar harvest on land, each household would raise no more than about 250 to 400 birds of all ages. That's half of what we have here. And there, would, there wouldn't be a poultry industry anymore. All across the solar receiving surface of America, every seventh household would be feeding the other six. And that we would hire them full time, and they would have, because it's an egalitarian aspiration, they would be getting paid as much as people who stare into the deep blue screen packaging insurance or pornography or whatever everybody else is doing so much more important than growing vegetables and raising chickens. John Henry said to his captain, A man ain't nothing but a man. But before I let your steam drill beat me down, I'll die with a hammer in my hand. Lord, Lord, I'll die with a hammer in my hand. So the donkeys are the aspiration that we could live in a synchrony with the rest of life. And the, our cleverness and our inventiveness and our in industrial urges are often life-destroying, rarely life-affirming. It's very hard to, to use these machines in a way that is truly respectful of life. It can be done. I don't, you know, I think any tool can be used for good or ill, but the donkeys are well, first of all, they're somewhat irrational. As, I mean, because I just love them, and like they, 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 they're part of why I like being alive. Having donkeys is part of that. So, uh, uh, I like seeing them born and learn, and I'm definitely enthralled by trying to thread the needle of making them 
pay to do the work that we must do. And no people who have no control over their food can in any meaningful way be said to be free. Well, every Monday morning when the bluebirds begin to sing, you can heal John Henry a mile or more. You can heal John Henry's hammering. You can heal John Henry's hammering. <sighs> that was Carl Hammer, the founder of Vermont Compost. I really want to thank Carl's son, Sid, for recording chickens for me and for recording his dad singing John Henry twice. He made two beautiful videos of his dad singing the song, once in front of the donkey barn and once in front of Chicken Mountain. And they're both beautiful for different reasons, so I'm going to try to put them up on my website, which is rumblestripvermont.com. I'm also going to put some pictures that Sid sent me up on the site. Leave a comment if you have one. Carl would love to hear from you. I would love to hear from you. I also want to thank Annie and Rosanna for helping me get this show started. I'll be back soon with more shows. Thanks a lot for listening. So there, he said. <laughs> <laughs>